Chapter Thirteen of the History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume Three, by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen seems to promise a very great change for the better, both in the humour and conduct of Miss Betsy, in regard to those who profess themselves her lovers. As little as Miss Betsy had accustomed herself to compare and judge of things, she wanted not the power, whenever it pleased her, to have the will to do so. The words of Sir Frederick Fenier, on taking leave of her as his last visit, sunk pretty deeply into her mind, nor could she remember them without a mixture of surprise, resentment, and confusion. No man, excepting Mr. Saving, whose reasons for it she could not but allow were justifiable, had hitherto ever presumed to make his address to her in a clandestine manner, and Sir Frederick Fenier seemed to her, of all men, to have the least excuse for doing so, and she would not have hesitated one moment to come in to her brother Frank's opinion, that he was no other than an impostor, if the dependence she had on the good faith of Mrs. Modley had not prevented her from entertaining such a belief. Besides, all the pleasure her gay young heart as yet had ever been capable of taking in the conquest she had made, consisted in their being known, and this proceeding in Sir Frederick was too mortifying to that darling propensity, to be easily forgiven, even though he should make it appear that the motives on which he requested this secrecy was such as could not be dispensed with. "'What can the man mean?' said she. "'I suppose by his desiring his courtship to me should be a secret. He intends a marriage with me should be so too, that I should live with him only as the slave of his loose pleasures, and though a lawful wife, pass me in the eyes of the world for a kept mistress.' Was ever such insolence, such an unparalleled insult, both on my person and understanding? Heaven be my witness, that it is only his quality could induce me. Nay, I know not as yet whether even that would be sufficient, to induce me to become his wife. And can he be so ridiculously vain, as to imagine I would accept him on any cheaper terms, than that eclat his rank and fortune would bestow upon me? She spent all that part of the night, which she could spare from sleep, in meditating on this affair, and at last came to a resolution of seeing him no more, whatever he might pretend in justification of his late bequest. She also had it in her head to return unopened any letter he should send, but curiosity prevailed above her resentment in this point, and when his servant came in the morning, and presented her with his master's compliments and a billet at the same time she had not the power of denying herself the satisfaction of seeing what excuse he would make the contents of it were as follow to the delight of my eyes the light of my desires the only hope and joy of my adoring soul the divine miss betsy thoughtless bright star of england since last i left your radiant presence my mind has been all dark and gloomy my anxieties are unutterable, intolerable. I know not what cruel constructions you may put upon the petition I made you, of not mentioning me to your brothers, but sure you cannot think I apprehend a refusal from that quarter. No. My birth and fortune set me above all doubts of that nature, and I am very certain that both they and all your kindred would rather force you, if in your power, to accept the hand I offer but it is not to them 
but to yourself alone i can submit to yield heaven tis true is in possessing you but then i would owe that heaven only to your love but then i would owe that heaven only to your love you may think perhaps that that is too great a delicacy but no fair angel that there is another motive a motive which though derived from the same source binds me in a different way fain would i court you fain marry you with all the pomp and splendour your superior beauty merits but neither my virtue my honour nor my religion will permit it the mystery is this upon examining into the cause why we see so many jarring pairs united in the sacred yoke of matrimony i found it wholly owing to the want of that true affection which to make perfect happiness ought to precede the nuptial ceremony that sordid interest the persuasions of friends or some such selfish view either on the one side or the other had given the hand without the heart and inclination had no share in beckoning to the altar being convinced of this truth by innumerable examples and resolved to avoid the fate of others i made a vow and bound myself by the most solemn imprecations never to marry any woman how dear soever she might be to me that would not assure me of her love by flying privately with me to the altar without consulting friends or asking any advice but of her own soft desires this my adorable charmer being the case i am certain you have too high a sense of duty owing to all that's holy to exact from me a thing which you cannot be but certain must entail eternal perdition on my perjured soul let us haste then to tie the blissful knot and surprise our friends with a marriage they little dreamed of as phoebus each night hurries himself into the lap of thetis to render his appearance more welcome the next day so shall the next morning after our marriage behold us shine forth at once no less gorgeous than the bright ruler of the day dazzling the eyes of the admiring world i am fired with the imagination and am wrapped in ecstasies unutterable but will fly this evening to your divine feet where i hope to persuade you to delay our mutual happiness no longer than to-morrow and exchange my present appellation of lover into that of husband assuring yourself i shall then be as now with the most consummate devotion to your all-conquering charms sweet goddess of my hopes your passionate adorer and everlasting slave f finir p s i beseech you will give necessary orders for preventing any impertinent intruder from breaking in upon our converse for exclusive of my vow i should detest as the poet says with noise and show and in a crowd to woo for true felicity dwells but in two once more my dear divinity adieu miss betsy read this letter over several times and made herself mistress of the sense as she thought of every part of it she had always found in everything he said or did a great deal of the affected and conceited coxcomb but in this the imagined he discovered more of the designing knave the vow he mentioned was an excuse too shallow to pass on a discernment such as hers but her vanity still suggesting that he was really in love with her and that if he intended any villainy towards her it was enforced by the violence of his passion it came into her head that there was a possibility of his being already married or contracted to some lady 
whom he durst not break with but being bent on gaining her at all events he had formed this pretence of a vow in order to gain her to a clandestine marriage thinking that after it was over and there was no remedy she would be content to live with him in a private manner since it would then be impracticable for her to do so in a public one this indeed she could not be certain of but she was so that it did not become a woman of any family and character to receive the addresses of a man how superior soever he might be in point of fortune who either was ashamed or had any other reasons to hinder him from avowing his passion to her relations she resolved therefore to put an end at once to a courtship which however high her expectations at first had been she now saw no probability would afford her either honour or satisfaction she had no sooner fixed herself in this determination than she went to her cabinet with an intent to pack up all the letters she had received from him and enclose them in one to mrs Modley. but recollecting she had given one of them to her brother frank which he had not yet returned she thought she would deter till another opportunity this testimony of the disregard she had for himself and all that came from him to prevent however his troubling her with any more visits messages or epistles she sat down to her escrutor and immediately wrote her present sentiments to his agent in the following terms to mrs Modley, dear Modley, as it is not my custom to write to men except on business of which i never reckoned love nor the professions of it any part i desire you will tell sir frederick Fenier that the only way for him to keep his oath inviolated is to cease entirely all farther prosecution of his addresses to me for as my birth and fortune as well as my humour set me above encouraging a secret correspondence with any man on what pretence soever it may be requested he may expect nay assure himself that on the next visit he attempts to make me or letter or message he causes to be left for me i shall directly acquaint my brothers with the whole story of his courtship the novelty of which may possibly afford us some diversion i thank you for the good i believe you intended me in your recommendation of a lover whose title and estate you might think had some charms in them and the oddities of whose temper you were perhaps unacquainted with i desire however you will henceforward make no mention of him but whenever i send for you confine your conversation to such matters as befits your vocation for as to others i find you are but little skilled in what will please her who is notwithstanding this raillery my dear Modley, your friend and servant be thoughtless p s to show how much i am in earnest i should have sent the baronet all the epistles he had been at the pains of writing to me but i am just going out and have not leisure to look them up i will not fail however to let him have them in a day or two they may serve any other woman as well as me and save him abundance of trouble in his next courtship you see i have some good nature though nothing of that love i suppose he imagined his merits had inspired with me adieu miss betsy was highly diverted after sending this dispatch to think how silly poor Modley would look on finding herself obliged to deliver such a message to her grand lodger and how dismally mortified he would be on receiving it End of chapter thirteen